Good morning. Welcome to Watershed. Good to see you all today. My name is Drew. So glad that you're here gathering with us this morning. We are Watershed. We're centered around the freedom, the friendship, and the rest that you find in the finished work of Christ. And we hope that you can experience that today. And we're going to stand together. We're going to just greet the people around us. And hey, if you need a question to ask them, ask them what they're doing with the last little bit of their summer. Ready? Go.
everyone. Um, I just want to invite us to stay standing and join us for this next song.
Savior bled for me, my Jesus set me free. Look at the wounds that give me life, grace flowing from his side, no greater sacrifice. What he's done, what he's done.
preschool through third graders, you are welcome to come up and be dismissed for Kids Church. Father God, thank you so much for bringing us to church this morning where we can honor and worship you. May we just set our hearts on you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, and again, good morning to everybody this morning. How you doing? Doing good? Wow. <laughs> I got a slight good morning and then it just fell off. So, well, I'm glad you're here. Maybe you're not. I don't know. <laughs> no. A um, couple announcements for us today just to bring to your attention. Uh, September 24, Park to Park, big event for Neighbors Plus. Um, big event if you're also, you know, just love running and supporting a great ministry. Uh, we need a lot of volunteers. Jen is Looking for folks to do everything from hand out water, set up stations. Um, you can kind of see it up here. Registration volunteers, food volunteers. Uh, Jennifer at hardawike.com. You can also see her extension 303. Uh, get in touch with her. Uh, she would love to have you help. So I uh, just want to make you aware of that. The next thing is Labor Day weekend. We are going to do just like we did Fourth of July weekend. We're going to meet out in the lawn. A uh, big combined Hardawike gathering outside, so bring your lawn chairs. Uh, I think the sun will be a little different, so you might get a little more shade. Last time, like, everybody was pressed to the woods, and we were in the pavilion. There was this huge chasm, but uh, no, I want to invite you out just for a hall, all Heart of Light uh, worship gathering. Um, Pastor Darwin's just going to kind of lead us into this new school year. And then finally today, just a reminder, we have our third Sunday potluck, and uh, this month, as we cook up brats and hot dogs, provide that for everybody, it's a way for us to say thank you to those of you who help with hospitality. Help by uh, everything from Norlin and Gary setting up chairs every week, making sure we have tables and chairs. This gym is transformed uh, to folks who are just welcoming you, um, you know, at the door. I know we've got smiling faces with Stacy and Dee and grateful uh, for them and for Kendra, um, but we have 72 volunteers. Let me say that one more time. 72 volunteers who, whether it's greeting, whether it's making baked goods or getting things prepared, just to try to make you feel welcome. I mean, we want to do the best we can to make everybody feel like they're part of something as Drew kind of started us off we want you to come in from your week and experience the rest that's found in the work of Jesus. We want you to be encouraged um, that, listen, we all got friends, family, but that this is a place where we can rub elbows. So I just want to, um, let's together just clap and thank those. <laughs> Thanks to those who try to make this feel welcoming. Um, we value that and want you to feel like you matter here. So as we uh, get rolling, let's uh, go to God in prayer. God, we thank you again um, just for your radical hospitality to us. Lord, that you would um, not only set a table for us to join you, but Lord, that which kept us away from you, Lord, you would handle in the cross. You would take our sin, our shame, our brokenness, our mistakes, our failures, all upon yourself so that we could be restored to you, a loving God who created us, who tell us, tells us each and every day that we matter, that we belong to you, that we're worthwhile and valued. Lord, I pray that you'll help us hear that voice of your spirit each and every day amidst the mistakes, but also just amidst the, all the other voices that are 
that are filling our lives, filling our self, our spirit. Lord, so often um, I judge myself on how well I do, what I've accomplished. So often, Lord, I know that I judge myself based on how others feel about me. Father, um, so many times I judge myself on my worst moments. God, I know I'm not alone in that. While others can be hard on us, Lord, sometimes we're the hardest on ourselves. So Spirit, speak. Speak your words of life to us. Remind us that we are loved in Christ. That in Christ, God, we are so incredibly valued and important. Father, we think this morning about folks in our um, watershed community, our greater Hardaway community. Lord, in, in our neighborhoods, in our families that are struggling with sickness, that are struggling, Lord, with temptation. Uh, Lord, in, in, in not being able to give in. Lord, we're, there are those who are struggling in their marriages, who are struggling with their parents, who are struggling with their friendships, who are struggling in their jobs, who are, Lord, it goes on and on. Lord, I pray that we can be an encouragement, Lord, to our friends, our family, to our neighbors, to the stranger we come across. That your light that's in us can shine and be a light to them. Father, we pray this week um, in particular to a prayer for um, teachers and families as school really begins. Lord, teachers have been in classrooms preparing. Uh, the, the rhythm of families' lives um, is changing Lord, and uh, God, we just pray a blessing upon our, our teachers and our educators, those who are committing themselves to developing our young people in this world. Lord, grant them wisdom, grant them strength, grant them a resilience. Lord, as they not only teach, but so often, sometimes they feel like counselor, they sometimes feel like a mediator. Lord, sometimes... They feel like they're a surrogate parent. But Lord, give them the strength. Lord, for our kids and our families as, as they transition and get ready. And Lord, uh, summer is a blast and we thank you for time away. We thank you for all these opportunities for us to go on vacations, to experience the beauty of this West Michigan um, or this, this great place that we get to live. Um, but Lord, as, as they kind of focus in, and come back. Lord, help get their minds ready, get their hearts ready. Um, Lord, help them listen well, to participate, dive in. Lord, to find things that bring them life. So, Lord, Lord uh, they can continue to tr contribute now to not only our communities, but, um, Lord, this world that we live in. So, Lord, bless them this morning. And Father, I want to thank you again um, not only that you set a table for us, but that we have the opportunity to welcome others in your name. Help us as a watershed community do that well. Not only here in this one hour of time where we all kind of take a respite from life, but Lord, as we go out from here, that we be people who have open hearts, open minds. Lord, we see that in 72 people who, who commit to giving their time, their energies, just to try to make us feel comfortable and welcome. Lord, thank you. It doesn't take much for us to do that, to show others that they are valued. But Lord, help each of us find ways to do that for the people in our lives. Now, Father, as we dive into your word this morning, we thank you for it. We thank you for the story of your life and your truth for us and how it gets worked out in the lives of of those um, that we hear this morning, God, we're going to be challenged with a book that, that works and looks at the meaning of life. But God, I can't possibly say everything that needs to be said. But your spirit can speak to our hearts and our minds just the right thing each of us needs to hear. So Holy Spirit, speak. 
Use me where you so choose. But more importantly, may you, Holy Spirit, speak. So Lord, we're here. We're listening. Lead us, guide us. In the name of Jesus and all God's children said, amen. So we're coming to uh, the last couple weeks of our summer series where we've talked about everyday wisdom. Wisdom that, um, I mean, really throughout this series, we've started to really, uh, I think, look at the reality of if you want to be wise, it's cent- wisdom is centered around God. That if we want to get wisdom right, we've got to get God right. Because our perspective of God, where we keep God in our lives, will determine whether or not we really do have wisdom. And we've been looking a lot at the book of Proverbs. Occasionally we've dabbled in Job and Psalms. Today we're going to deal with Ecclesiastes. Right? Some of us even look at the, the word in the Old Testament and go, Ecclesial, what? Right? So it, it, and it's a, it's a fun book. Right? Yeah, we'll see in just a moment. It's an interesting book. But before we dive in, um, because Ecclesiastes is what it is, I think we should start with Calvin and Hobbes. Okay? Calvin to Hobbes. Live for the moment. Right? That's my motto. You never know how long you got. You could step into the road tomorrow. Wham! You get hit by a cement truck. Then you'd be sorry you put off your pleasures. That's why I say, live for the moment. Right? What's your motto? Look down the road. <laughs> Wisdom. Right, another, another time in the, in the comic, you hear this. I, I don't understand this business, business about death. Right, sometimes the comic, I mean, Kelvin and Hobbes' interactions, they go deep. They go philosophical. It's kind of why I love them. Right, and Kelvin says, if we're just going to die, what's the point of living? And then, ooh, somber. Well, this morning... As we dive into Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes can actually be a really depressing book. Doug O'Donnell, who uh, writes some uh, commentary notes in the Gospel Transformation Bible, says this about Ecclesiastes, that it was written to depress us into dependence on our joyous God and his blessed will for our lives. Okay, i got to say that again, and I need you... Remember, we've talked in this series about paradox, things that seem to not make sense together, but however, like when we get the whole picture, when we hold them together, we get a much fuller meaning, right? Ecclesiastes was written to depress us into dependence on our joyous and God and his blessed will for our lives. So this, this, this point, the reason why Ecclesiastes exists is meant to make us deal with the reality of life, the reality of, the cre- of creation and where we place it in our lives. And if we place it in the wrong place, man, life gets fairly meaningless. That's where the book begins in chapter 1, verse 1, the words of the teacher Son of David, king in Jerusalem. So many people think this was Solomon. It says meaningless, meaningless. Word also means vanity, vanity. Means smoke, smoke. We'll touch on that in a minute. But meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Woohoo! Wow, aren't you glad you came today? <laughs> right, what do people gain from all their labors, which they toil under the sun. Generations come, generations go, but the earth remains forever. This is how the book starts. Well, you want to hear kind of how the book ends? Let's go to chapter 12. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Wow. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs, many wise sayings. Oops. And the teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. So what he wrote was upright and true. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Vapor. As I think about grabbing, can you grab onto smoke? Anybody? No. Right? You can make maybe cool things. I don't, I don't know if you've smoked. I'm not saying go out and get a pack today. But, you know, maybe it was a stogie, you know, I, I don't know. But have you ever, like, blown animal, tried to blow animals? I couldn't even blow a circle. 
right? And then I have asthma, so I don't touch it anymore, right? So, but anyways, I can't grab it. Or like over Memorial Day weekend, we're hanging out with friends, and they've got a newborn, and, and they start blowing bubbles, right? Those are fun, too. And you start blowing the bubbles, and then when you see this little, like, infant child, you know, just getting used to their faculties, and they see these bubbles, and it's like, ooh, the world is a huge place. Ah, bubbles, 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 right? And, and then they go to try to grab them, and then the first one pops, and then they're, they're like, wait a second, that's not supposed to happen. And then it happens like two or three more times, and they're on the brink of crying. Right, this is what Ecclesiastes is doing. Is going so much of our lives, the things that we try to build our lives on, the stuff of life, if we try to grab at it, Solomon wants us to be aware that, that it's just smoke. And throughout Ecclesiastes, there's a few, through, few things that he talks about. And the first is just the monotony of life. These categories that I'm going to use, I'm borrowing from Warren Wearsby, who was a pastor and a theologian. But um, the first sort of character, the first uh, thing that he addresses is just life in general and how it's sort of, there's just a monotony to it. Let's hear the scripture as it says, it says this in chapter 1, starting verse 8. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough seeing, nor the ear have its fill of hearing. Right? What has will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Oh, bother. Right? It's like Eeyore. So be it. Ah, just another day. Same stuff, different day. Right? How many times does life just kind of get repetitive and, and we're just making it through like, okay, yeah, school starting. Kids, teachers. Yes, teachers, you're allowed to say this too. Right? Now, we're ready. We got energy. How about midway through the year? Right? How about at the end of the year? Oh, bother. How about, how about some of you who never, like, you're like, man, if I get two weeks off in the whole year, it's the same cycle. So if we build our life just sort of on just time, life, it can get kind of depressing, can't it? There seems to be like nothing is new. Even if we invent something, somebody cop comes at us with some kind of copy copyright infringement. <laughs> right? We, we think we've got a new idea and somebody's like, ah, yeah, did you know that was 100 years old? And you're like, oh, yeah. What's the point? Solomon says as he looked at life, he's like, yeah, I mean, there's something to life where it just kind of becomes repetitive, kind of becomes monotonous. And if I build my life on life being exciting or life being boring, your life's going to be all over the place, amen? Well, not only does he talk about the monotony of life, but as one who speaks about wisdom, he also finds that wisdom in itself, there can be a vanity to wisdom. And he says this later on in chapter 1. I applied my mind to the study and to explore by wisdom all that's been done under the heavens. Right? I want to figure out all of life. I've applied myself to that. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. Right, as we think about just wisdom in general and just trying to find out what's right, what's wrong, what's wise, what's not wise, right? It, we get to this point where, man, it's wearisome. There's a burden. And in a way, he goes, God, how do, man, how is that on my plate to figure out? He says, I've seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. He says, what is crooked can't be straightened. And how many times do we feel like something that got messed up, there's no way of getting it back to the way it's supposed to be or to the way it was? What's lacking cannot be counted, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. How many of you would say at sometimes ignorance is bliss? Yes? <laughs> Why do we have that phrase? Because sometimes when we figure out more, I don't want to know more. 
right? And Solomon, as he dives on and he sees, starts to see how the world works and starts to wrestle with the questions of life, he goes, man, if, if it's on whether or not there's wisdom, I don't even have all the answers. I can't get it figured out. And there are going to be questions that just leave us stumped. And if my confidence in life is based on those answers, man, I'm going to miss it. Again, the monotony of life, the vanity of wisdom. What, what Solomon is doing in this first chapter is laying out what this whole book, so if you dive into the rest of Ecclesiastes, these concepts get flushed out more and more. But he hits us right off the bat and says, man, there's sort of this Eeyore moment of life. Why bother? Oh, bother. Right? There's sort of this wisdom, what is there really to gain in it? And then he goes on to say the futility of wealth, work, and pleasure. He goes on to say, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. Solomon had the riches of the world at his disposal, right? He could do what he want. He could ask what he want. He could, he could, he had full control. So I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. He goes, yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. One point later on in Ecclesiastes, he'd be like, okay, I gained all of this money. I, I, I acquired all these wealth and this possession, and, and who am I going to leave it to? I'm lucky if I leave it to a kid who seems good. <laughs> but what if I leave it to my child and they're lazy. And what does it get me? Right? You ain't pulling a U-Haul behind a hearse. Again, Solomon's wrestling with these questions. If we build our lives on wealth, on pleasures, right, on our possessions, on our work, we may just find that they don't have the ability to hold us. That vapor, that smoke may, may change, may shift shape the moment we think we got it. Well, he doesn't stop there. Thank you very much, Solomon. Like I said, you're in for a good one today. We will even have communion. Wow. <laughs> no, the certainty of death. He says, in all of this, I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. Okay, so there's not a complete vanity to wisdom. It says the wise have ears in their heads while the fool walks in darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Wait a second. So it doesn't matter if you're wise. It doesn't matter if you're a fool. You're both going to die. And I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless. For the wise, like the fool, will not be long the day's have already come when both have, like the fool, the wise, too, must die. Death is a certainty. Kind of like Calvin and Hobbes sitting there. <laughs> What's the point? It leaves us in a place going, oh. It depresses us. Because we can't grab the smoke. This wasn't what we were created for. While these things of life in and of themselves, maybe good, may not be good or bad. Things of life are God's creation. If we build our lives on them, if we keep trying to grab them and, and, and say, make our meaning out of them, we're only going to be sticking our hand through. We're going to say meaningless, meaningless. However, the paradox of the book of Ecclesiastes the enigma that is this book is God actually teaches us how to hold the vapor, how to hold the smoke, how to hold on to this creation that, and even this life that's here today and gone tomorrow, right? The stuff of life that while we may have for a moment may, may disappear. How? Six times through the book, as, as Solomon writes and kind of brings us, you know, depresses us, he depresses us how, how did we hear? Into dependence. Into dependence 
on a joyous God. G. Campbell Morgan, who was a British evangelist, says this. This man, Solomon, had been living through all these experiences under the sun. So under the sun happens, meaningless happens. These are repeated phrases over and over. He'd been living through all these experiences under the sun, concerned with nothing above the sun, until there came a moment in which he had seen the whole of life. Right? He explored all of life, and there was something over the sun. He's like, if I'm only concerned under the sun, it's all meaningless, it's all vapor, but there is something over the sun. It's only as a man takes account of that which is over the sun, as well as that which is under the sun, that things under the sun are actually seen in their true light. Right? If we miss, if we live life only under the sun, just on creation level, and we miss the creator, we're going to miss something incredibly important. See, Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes 2. This is one of those six passages. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is what? Is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? What Solomon found is with life, with, with, with this, this gift of life we have, that if we don't have God, the thing will keep shifting. We'll always want more. We always won't have enough. Like, there will always be something other. But when we understand, when we anchor our lives in God, we'll realize that what we have, even though it's momentary, is a gift. And so without him, I can't really understand it. It's sort of like Peter when he says to Jesus in John 6. Jesus says, are you guys too? Are you going to leave me? And Peter says, no, man, you have the words of life. It's you who holds heaven in the keys of it. You make sense of it all. And when we're with you, somehow, some way, we can actually hold on to this moment. It may be here for just a moment, but this moment I have it is a gift because it's from you and it's in you. Solomon will say this in Ecclesiastes 3. He says, I know that everything God does will endure. Right? Not everything I do will endure, but everything God does will endure. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. And he does it so that people will fear him. That this gift of life, that what he does will endure but when we look to him, when we hold on to him, he's showing us through the vapor, through the things that are here one day, gone the next, through a life that's lived and then is no more, that he is with us, that he is there with them, that God is not separate from us, that we're not just ash from ash, from dust we are to dust we go. Right? We see in the eyes of another, the eyes of our God, who looks upon us. Right? And we see that in him, what he does will endure. That life is more than simply a vapor. Goes on to say this. This is what I've observed to be good. Right? This is what I've observed to be good. That is appropriate for a person to eat. It's appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life that God has given them. For this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot, to be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. Right? When we have the opportunity to have something, no matter how little it is or how great it is, when we have the opportunity to enjoy our job today, to simply be grateful for it. It's a gift of God. And what does he say? They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God, because God keeps them occupied with the gladness of heart. That there's something that Solomon's trying to help us see that when we're thankful, when we have a heart of gratitude for these moments, for these things, for work, for the pleasures, for the gifts, for what we have, for the people in our lives, 
there is actually joy. While, yeah, we are depressed if everything is missing, if he's missing out of the equation, when he's back in it, we see that today, right now, is a moment where we can be grateful. And maybe the moment is just that I can breathe. Maybe the moment is just that I can get up and I can walk. Maybe the moment is I have the faculties to, to think, to listen. Maybe the, maybe the moment is that I could have a Bowerman's donut this morning and a hot cup of coffee. <laughs> Nonetheless, it doesn't matter if I'm a grateful person. Doesn't that seem to shape our hearts and our minds? Doesn't it change our outlook? And that's what Solomon's saying. Don't pass up the moment. Right? And this is why he says, so I commend. I commend the enjoyment of life. Because there is nothing better for a person under the sun to eat and to drink and be glad. And then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of life that God has given them under the sun. What's he say? Grab onto the moment. Wait a second. You said the moment is vapor. Yep. Welcome to Ecclesiastes. Welcome, welcome to wisdom. This moment without God is simply another moment. Hate to break it to you. And it's pretty pointless. But with God, this moment has the possibility to change our lives. With God, this moment is a gift. With God, this moment has the, the ability to encourage us. With God, the people in our lives have the opportunity to bless us, to challenge us, to shape us. With God, the person next to us is valued and has purpose. With God, the resources I have have the opportunity to not only bless my life, but to bless others. What does he say? Meaningless, meaningless? Everything's meaningless? Yeah. Without God. But with him, every moment is a gift. Go back to G. Campbell Morgan. And he says this. Judge not by the circumstances of this passing hour, but by the infinite things of our gospel and our God. Judge not by the circumstances of this passing hour, but by the infinite things of our gospel and our God. Wisdom, again, is all about where we keep God in our lives and where we hold the stuff of life making sure that we don't supplant one, the one, the one, for all of the others. Today we're celebrating communion. I think it's a fitting day to talk about Ecclesiastes. Communion makes us wrestle with our humanity, our sin, our brokenness. Otherwise, what's the point of celebrating it? We celebrate Christ who's crucified because he needed to come and die for us. I needed a rescue. You needed a rescue. We needed a rescue. It's depressing to deal with sin sometimes, doesn't it? But see, the goodness of God is this. He never leaves us in that place, much like Ecclesiastes. He fills us with his joy. Right, I think that's why he gave us something so incredibly tangible like bread and juice. Because we can be filled on it. I would encourage you this morning to take a chunk as you pull off the piece of bread. Dip that sucker in. We can wipe up the juice. Right, Nor? <laughs> be filled. Eat. Drink. For this is a gift of God. But here's the thing, without God, it's just bread and juice. It really means nothing. But if we think about God, if we focus on him, if we focus on what he's done, we sang it, right? Of what he's done. Through this, the Holy Spirit can give us that grace 
his favor, his love, his life can fill us with something so much more than merely bread and juice. Without it, just bread, just juice. With it, man, the amazing grace and love of God. As we think about that this morning, just I'm reminded that on the night he was betrayed, not only on the night he was going to give himself over for humanity, he was betrayed. He was betrayed by not only one of his friends, every one of his friends left him. But before that happened, he knew it. He took the bread and he said, this is my body given for you. And as often as you do this, as often as you think about this, as often as you participate in this practice, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body given for you. And in the same manner, he took the cup that they had shared together. It says the, the cup they had supped. <laughs> and he said, this cup, it's a new covenant. It's a new promise in my blood for the forgiveness of sin. It's no longer the blood of a lamb. It's no longer the blood of another sacrifice. It was the blood of God himself shed for us so that we could have freedom and life. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm glad that communion is more than bread and juice. That it's filled with the grace of God. I'd like to invite those who are coming uh, forward to serve us to please do that at this time. And I'll invite the worship team forward. Just a couple words of instruction as we've been doing, um, been our practice. If you kind of come down, there's two tables uh, at the front. There will be, uh, some folks will come up to you upstairs. But if you come down kind of this aisle that splits the tables and the chairs, and then kind of circle around the tables and back, um, that'll help us have a little bit of a flow. Um, but before we dive in, let's, let's pray. God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you that you don't depress us into a place and leave us there. Thank you that you're, you're willing to show us that if we focus life on, on everything else and not you, we won't find it. And thank you that you bring us back to you and remind us that, God, you are the giver of life. And when we focus on you, we will have it. So may all of us, as we come to your table today, be filled not only with bread and juice, but be filled with your life. Your life. So Holy Spirit, take these elements. Pour out your grace to us. And fill us with your life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. All God's people say.
sing this one together. We lift up the great things that God has done to us. Give him praise for it today. Welcome you again to uh, join us for lunch. Uh, we will be out in the pavilion. I don't think it's raining, so hooray. Uh, but come have hot dogs and brats. If not, uh, have a wonderful rest of the day. Because again, life is a gift. This moment is a gift. The next moment is a gift. Because it's from God. So enjoy it.
and receive this blessing of our God in these moments and in these times. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his smile upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Go in peace. If you don't mind helping stack a few chairs, we appreciate it.